Hi, this is Jimmy Evans with Marriage Today. This podcast is dedicated to equipping families with the teaching and tools they need to succeed. We hope you enjoy this episode and subscribe for more marriage building content. We're going to talk about communication now. Training your mouth for marriage. Proverbs, Proverbs 18 says, A man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth, from the produce of his lips he will be filled. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Listen to that statement there. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Next verse is interesting. He who finds a good wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Now, a man's stomach will be filled literally from the seed of his mouth is what this is saying. The produce means a seed-bearing entity. And then it goes on to say right after that that uh, a man who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Your marriage will never rise above the level of your mouth. What you do with your mouth will predict your marriage in every single case with no exceptions to that. And the simple premise of what the writer of Proverbs is saying here is to prepare for marriage, we have to prepare our mouths. And this astounding statement is made in Proverbs 18. The power of death is in your tongue. And the power of life is in your tongue. And I want you to listen to what I want to say. God wants to use your tongue to create a great life and a great marriage and a great family and to bless other people. The devil wants to use your tongue to destroy your life, your family, and to destroy other people. That is the absolute truth. And whoever has control of your tongue has control of a powerful thing because with your tongue you can create death and with your tongue you can create life. And I know this because I destroyed our marriage with my tongue. I'm, I'm, God made me to speak. God made me, uh, speaking is my gift. I've never been at a loss for words. I wish, I, I should have been at times, but you know, before I got saved, and even after I got saved, my, my tongue was my weapon. My tongue was how I punished you if I didn't like what you were doing. And again, I'm very articulate. I'm articulate for the good, I'm articulate for the bad. And, and Karen is not. Karen is a very wise person. She certainly can say what she means, but she's not as quick as I am, and I use that against her. And so when we got married, I was dominant. And when I didn't get what I wanted, I, I turned this on her. And beat her down, beat her down, accused her, made her think she was the whole problem, so on and so forth. And I saw my wife wilt before my eyes. In the night that our marriage was saved, that's when I apologized for the first time ever. I had never apologized to Karen for anything that I had ever done. And on the night that I apologized to Karen, and I hung my golf clubs up because I golfed all the time and... You know, she certainly didn't feel like that she was a priority. And when I apologized to her, she said, what you've done with your mouth is the worst thing you've done to me. And I said, I know. And she said, uh, you know, I forgive you, but I don't trust you. And I said, I don't blame you, but I'll, I'll regain your trust. And so our marriage was saved, but for our marriage to be saved and healed in what it is today, I had to change what I was doing with my mouth. And I know that you'll agree with this. We live in a very vulgar, sarcastic, hateful world verbally, don't we? It's, I, I just, it's, it's astounding. And I don't know that there's ever been a world where there wasn't some of that. But the world we live in today is so vulgar and so hate-filled. 
and what people say to one another is so unbelievable. You'll never have a good marriage till you get this thing right, all of us. The power of death is in our mouth, but the other is also true. The power of life is in our mouth. You can give life to your spouse. You can give life to your marriage. You fell in love saying good things to each other. Every good marriage has a lot of good words in it. If you don't speak, well, you don't have a great marriage because you have to have words to have a good marriage. If you have bad words, you don't have a good marriage because bad words, I'm not talking about talking about negative things because you can do that and still have a great marriage. You need to do that. But I'm talking about how you use your mouth because when the Bible's talking about a man will live literally off the fruit of his mouth, good or bad, with your stomach or with your mouth, it's gonna fill your stomach. And it's not just talking about your stomach with food, your insides with life. Whatever you do with this is gonna have a dramatic impact on the insides of you. And it says, a man's stomach shall be satisfied literally from the seed of his mouth, from the produce of his lips, he will be filled. Our words are seed-bearing entities. I, I saw a program one time, like on the, the Discovery Channel, and it was talking about migratory animals. Whales, birds, an, an, animals that migrate for thousands of miles. And, and what animal researchers believe is that they literally can see the electromagnetic fields of the earth that we cannot see, like geese and, and different animals that, and insects. Some insects you know, uh, migrate for thousands of miles, butterflies and stuff. How are they able to go from an exact spot to an exact spot back to an exact spot? Well, what they, what they theorize is they literally can see the electromagnetic fields of the earth. They can see what we can't see. And so because of that, they can do what we can't do. Well, let me talk about this. If you could see in the realm of the spirit, what you would realize is every time you speak, a seed spits out. When you speak, your words don't evaporate. And I'll prove that to you from the Bible. Words do not evaporate. All words are consequential. Good words bring good results. Bad words bring bad results because all words are consequential. All words are important. There are no neutral words. Words are either good or bad. And so when we're speaking, if we could see in the invisible realm, we would understand what the writer of Proverbs is saying here, and that is, a man shall be filled from the seed of his mouth because every time he, he says something, a seed spits out, and then the next verse says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. Listen, he who finds a wife finds a good thing, but, but I want you to listen. God's not gonna bring you a good woman for you to kill her with your mouth. That's what I did with my wife. And so sometimes we, we have to clean the slate on this thing and say, I'm gonna take personal responsibility for what I do with my mouth, and in doing so, I understand that my family what they do with their mouths isn't right. And I forgive them. I'm not judging them. I'm not harboring ill will. But I'm gonna break this off me because I want to have a blessed marriage and family and I don't want to train my children in this. And if I have trained my children in this, I'm gonna go and repent to them and make it right and tell them that what I've been doing with my mouth isn't right and I'm gonna change. Sometimes we have to begin with a clean slate, but you have to understand you'll never have a marriage that rises above the level of your speech. Now listen to the words of Jesus. Listen to the words of Jesus. Matthew 12. 
Therefore I say to you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven men. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him, either in this age or the age to come. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or either make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for a tree is known by its fruit. Brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good things. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure, brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment, for by your words you will be justified, and by your words you'll be condemned. So Jesus, first of all, refers to our words as fruit and our hearts as trees. And he says, make the tree good and the fruit good, or make the tree bad and the fruit bad, for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. Now listen, sometimes you will hear a person say, maybe you've said in a circumstance, you don't know my heart. I absolutely know your heart by your words. I absolutely know the nature of your heart by the nature of your words. Listen, a mean heart speaks mean words. Jesus said, your words are the fruit that come out of the tree of your heart. Your, your heart is the tree that produces words. Out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. A dirty heart brings forth dirty words. A heart filled with hate and unforgiveness brings forth hateful words. So a loving heart brings forth loving words. A pure heart brings forth pure words. We have to wake ourselves up and say, my mouth is telling me the nature of my heart and I can't disassociate it. And I come at you and I just lay you bare and I just rip into you and I curse at you and I call you every name and I get finished and say, well, I really didn't mean it. That's not my heart. It's your heart. It's in your heart. You got meanness in your heart. You got, you got dirtiness in your heart. That's in your, you can clean it up in an instant. I mean, you, Jesus said, make the tree good and the fruit good. You can do that in two seconds. It doesn't take two seconds. But understand, I've got to take responsibility. And Jesus says to us, we will give an account, listen, for every idle word that we've ever spoken on the day of judgment. Okay. Jesus said, I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you'll be justified, your words be condemned. Now here's what the devil wants you to believe. Words are evaporative. They just evaporate. There's no big deal. You can say anything you want to say, turn around, go off, and those words just evaporate, and they need to get over it. They got, they got a problem anyway. They just need to get over it. Words just evaporate. Here's what Jesus wants you to understand. Your words are accumulating in the presence of God. And Jesus said, one day, every word you've ever spoken will meet you in judgment, even every idle word. Here's what that means. You're in the garage by yourself, trying to fix something. You hit your thumb with a hammer, that word. <laughs> I want to give you the best news in the whole world. God's recorder has an eraser on it. It's called the blood of Jesus. And all of us have said dumb things. And the only thing you have to do to get all those words, bad words erased, are to say, God, forgive me, I repent. I shouldn't have said it. God says, great, no problem, I forgive you. 
So the good, the good news is for a person who is humble and, and godly, and we blow it. I mean, all of us blow it at times. You know, I've gotten to the point where I, you know, golf, I don't cuss, but I still think it sometimes, you know, so I'm getting better. But we blow it sometimes. We think that we think things we shouldn't think, we say things we shouldn't say. There's an eraser on the recorder if you take responsibility for it. But if you turn to your spouse and say, well, you shouldn't have made me mad. You know that makes me mad. And I know what I said to you, but you made me mad. That's baloney. I don't care what you do to me. I can make a right response. And the Bible says, kind words are like honey dripping down into the innermost part of a person. And a soft answer turns away wrath. In the worst circumstance, if I say the right thing, it'll produce the right result. I've got to take responsibility for my mouth. Jesus says your words don't evaporate. They're accumulating in the presence of God and they're so important that God will judge us one day. They're, they're, listen, there are people that have a bad mouth and they've never taken responsibility and they will be shocked one day in judgment to stand in God's presence and have every word they've ever spoken recounted to them and for them to be judged based on that. So again, when we're saved and the blood of Jesus saves us, those words, as we you know, repent, those words are gone. Okay, we don't, we don't have to do that. But we have to understand, that's how critical words are. Well, this program today is on training your mouth for marriage. It's about the importance of our words. And, and what I do in this teaching is not just talk about how to communicate, but I just talk about the fact that words are so incredibly powerful. You know, Proverbs says that the power of life and death is in our mouth, and he who loves it will eat its fruit. And it's interesting, next verse says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. And so when we're going to be married successfully, every good marriage has good words in it. Every bad marriage either has no words or bad words. And so early in our marriage, Karen, I mean, we had, mm -hmm. I, I, my mouth was just awful. <laughs> and it really destroyed our relationship. So we have some questions from some of our viewers related to communication. Mm -hmm. The first one, my husband has determined there are a few issues we shouldn't talk about. They always end in a big disagreement. Is this normal in marriage? Yeah, I think, it, I think it's normal, but it's not good. No. And um, what I say about communication, there's three types of communication. There's proactive communication, mm -hmm. there's reactive communication, and there's radioactive communication. And so proactive communication means we're going to sit down and we're going to talk this thing out outside of the emotion of the moment. Okay? When you do a budget, mm -hmm. the, the importance of doing a budget is taking financial decisions out of the emotion of the moment. Yeah. Okay? It's proactive communication. Mm -hmm. So we may argue and the issue of a budget, by the way, isn't money, it's values. Mm -hmm. You're not talking about dollars, you're talking about value system. So maybe we're going to fight, maybe we're going to disagree, but we're going to proactively do it and get it all over with here so that we can go on and, and not fight later mm -hmm. on. Okay. Well, if you don't do that, if you don't proactively communicate, then you're going to reactively communicate. That means every time this issue comes up, we're going to react to it. Mm -hmm. The kids, uh, you know, it may be a blended family issue, it may be money or whatever, we're reacting to it, and the more we react to it and hurt each other, then it becomes a radioactive issue. Somebody's going to get hurt. Mm -hmm. Okay, So we, we can't discuss this. So what this husband is saying to his wife is, you know, there's just some things we can't talk about. Don't bring them up. We're going to get in a fight. Well, he's waving the white flag. Mm -hmm. The problem is these are issues in their marriage mm -hmm. that need to be discussed. They have to be talked about. They have. So we do a vision retreat every mm -hmm. year. We teach people how to do vision retreat where you get away for three or four days without the kids. 
wake up in the morning, you take half a day, and you pray and talk about everything in your marriage. We have a resource here, and it helps you to go on a vision retreat and write down everything that you believe the Lord is saying to you about every issue in your relationship. It's proactively communicating Mm -hmm. in a patient manner Mm -hmm. over a period of time that gives you enough time to talk, and you might fight. You know, when you go on a vision retreat, you might fight. Fine, get it over with. Mm -hmm. Proactively communicate, deal with it, and I promise when you leave that vision retreat, you'll have a new marriage. Mm -hmm. And so it's proactive communication. Mm -hmm. So you need to take the time to sit down and for this couple or for any other couple watching, if you can't solve a problem on your own, go get help. Mm -hmm. Getting help is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of wisdom. Smart people get help. Uh, Teachable people get help. And so, you know, if it's something you can't deal with, say, honey, I know maybe we can't talk about it. Let's go talk to a pastor or a counselor or something like that. And something that's very difficult for you to talk about, it may be very easy once someone helps mm-hmm. you to kind of give a, a, a few tips there. That's good. Okay, let me read this question to you now. My wife always tells me I can't do anything right. She's never happy. I wish she'd care more about what I'm going through. How do I get her to stop nagging? <laughs> Karen Evans. Do you think I nag? <laughs> I'm not answering that. You know I don't. You don't. You don't. <laughs> but it's a good question. I mean, but I mean, the reason I'm asking because how would I? She he tell her not to. St- I'm mean, stop nagging because nothing makes a woman more angry than you know to be yeah. told don't nag. So well, the he says there that she tells him he never does anything right. Mm-hmm. The number one need of men is respect. Exactly. Okay, it's That's the, what I was thinking. It's the mega need of mm-hmm. men. So when a wife says to her husband, I'm sure she's frustrated with him, you know, and that uh, when a wife says to her husband, uh, you never do anything right, that's called globalization, by the mm-hmm. way. If, I, if, a, if a wife says to her husband, honey, you tell me you're going to take out the trash, you don't take it out, mm-hmm. okay? I'm specifically complaining about a specific issue, mm-hmm. and I'm not calling you names, okay? But when I say to you, you never do anything, I'm mm-hmm. globalizing it now, Okay. For a man, that just sucks all the oxygen out of his world. And it also demotivates him to do mm-hmm. anything. Well, I'm thinking maybe he should have another conversation with her and maybe just address, you know, the, the fact that maybe she does have some anger and, and resentment and unforgiveness towards yeah. him. You know, because yeah. it sounds like she's in the area of contempt. You know, exactly. that she's having contempt that's for right. him, so he can't do anything right. Uh, that's you right. You know, and, and he mm-hmm. may ne- need to go back and say, have I made you mad? And you're good at this. Well, I think you're exactly right. I think there's contempt there, which means aged anger. Mm-hmm. And it also completely distorts your view. Of, in other words, when you don't have contempt, there's affection, mm-hmm. there's good memories. When you have contempt, the affection leaves, everything's cynical and bad. And so there's, there needs to be forgiveness on her part, but, it, but also understanding you're not going to motivate your husband by disrespecting him. Yeah. And you can <laughs> complain. You, your husband's equal. You can complain. But the enforcer needs to be God, not you. And so she's using her mouth. She's using her words to punish him, thinking maybe that it'll help, but it's not going to help. Okay, this woman writes, ever since the kids moved out, we've been doing our own thing and aren't really connecting or talking anymore. Is this normal? Ever since the kids left home, we're not connecting. Well, let me go back to, in one of our other programs, Karen, we talked about people who give up their marriage for their children, Mm -hmm. and then the children leave and there's nothing left. Okay. It sounds like this couple related around the kids. Yeah, exactly. And so the kids were kind of the center of attention Mm -hmm. and everything happened around the kids. And then when the kids left, really their reason for existing left. Mm -hmm. Okay, and now they don't have anything to talk about. Mm -hmm. 
your marriage comes first, and your children are going to leave, hopefully. You know, when they turn 18 or 19 or 34, at some point, they're going to leave the house I mean, if, you, if you're successful. And when they leave, I mean, you've got another 30 or 40 years or so with an empty nest. Mm-hmm. And your kids are gone, and we're very close to our children, but still, that doesn't mean we see them every day. Mm-hmm. They want to be, they want some separation there. Mm-hmm. It's very short-sighted to give up your marriage for your children. So it's not too late for you, mm-hmm. but you need to build your relationship. In fact, maybe one or both of you just needs to take responsibility and say, I'm sorry for giving up on our marriage when our children were here. Well, maybe they should just kind of make an agreement. Hey, let's do something fun and different, and let's just start dating again. Exactly. You know, let's like, let's exactly. just, you know, I'm going to call you, and we're going to act like we just right. met and be dating and, and start the whole thing over again. Exactly, Karen. They can rebuild this relationship. No, you know, God is a powerful God, and nothing is impossible with God. But just like you built your relationship the first time, just start over again. Mm-hmm. But, but understand, you made a mistake. You made a mistake in putting something before your marriage. Put your marriage first. Work at it. You'll fall back in love. We did. You know, we were, we were on the brink of divorce and out of love. And, and we worked at it. And, and your emotions come uh, back and not just come back. Your emotions will be resurrected when you do the right thing. We hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. And we want to let you know about another marriage podcast with Dave and Ashley Willis called Naked Marriage where they talk about real and raw marriage topics like sex, communication, openness, and more in a fun, lighthearted atmosphere. Search for Naked Marriage with Dave and Ashley Willis in iTunes and start listening today. 